Okay, interesting. So in our poll, we saw some things that take energy. Um, and when we think about energy, a significant thing that takes our energy is our job. And so we are gonna think a bit broader than that, but I do want us to keep our jobs in mind as well. Um, we're gonna think about energy, we're gonna pull back a little bit further, like way back, and say, what am I here for? What is it all about anyway? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Now, I don't want to, you know, induce any existential crisis. I don't want to bring on any midlife crisis or any other kind of crisis because um, there's really good news, actually, that there is an answer to this question. Now, as people who are um, considering following Jesus or seeking to follow Jesus, uh, we want to understand how God wants us to live. And I wonder, there might be some potential answers to that that we might have thought about. It could be we think, well, we're here to love God and love people. That's a good answer. Um, it could be that we, um, we're trying to live our life on earth as best we can, um, doing what God wants, being moral and ethical, and when we die, we go to heaven. There might be a sense in which we don't talk about, but we feel, actually, we're just marking time. Just marking time. Our ultimate purpose is to get to eternity with God. There might even be some flavored of, of, you know, actually what I do here and now, at best it's enjoying it as I can, but at worst it, it doesn't matter. It's all insignificant. So what am I here for? What is it about anyway? What do I do with the energy I've been given? Ryan said last week, if we average 80 years of living, it's about 30,000 days minus what you've already lived, which for some of us is, you know, more than half of that. And what are you going to do with the energy that you have each day? So we're going to look at this um, and focus a bit on what we have been given for a God-given purpose. And by we, I actually mean humanity. Humanity. And I've subtitled this, um, we have a job um, it was up earlier. Hmm. So it's your job within the job, capital T, capital J. What is your job within the job? So like all um, many good stories, we're going to actually go back to the beginning and we're going to look at Genesis 1. We begin with God who is the creator. He's the ruler and the authority. God speaks and things happen. Literally, God speaks and things come into being. God is the king of the universe. In the first chapter of Genesis, there's this, um, some of the language is about royalty. It's, it's describing God as king of the universe. God has authority, he has power, and he creates. Now, you can help me tell the story a little bit. You might remember some of the things if you've... Um, read the Genesis 1 story. So what did we have at the very beginning? We had chaos, yeah, and formlessness and darkness. And then God shapes, does anyone remember what he shaped first? Or early on in the process, doesn't have to be first. God shapes a couple of different things and separates them. 
the wa water and land, um, each into their places, and then he makes plants and trees and all kinds of things. Anyone want to make a guess how many plant and um, plant species there are that we know of at the moment on the earth? Not quite that high. 320,000 plant species known to us in the world. Then God makes star, sun, moon, and then God makes animals. How many animals species do we know of? 2.13 million. 2.13 million species, half of which are insects. I really do have questions for God about that. So God made the earth. He's made everything. He's put everything. Um, he's made every grass, tree, flower. He's filled the earth with birds and mammals, and he's filled the ocean with tiny plankton and the great blue whale. It is impressive. It's awesome. And as a finale, what does God make? He makes people. He makes people. We're going to look at this. God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They'll reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created him, them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So to really understand and unpack the implications of the creation of people, we've got to pull back, starting with this little poem. It's the first poem in the Bible, right in the first chapter. God created people in his own image. They were male and they were female. And then, and then, he makes people in his image and then he gives them a job. God blessed them and says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. There's two pieces here, and they both provide a powerful insight into um, what we're going to talk about today. The all-powerful creator God makes everything amazing. But then the really surprising bit is he makes humans, people, in his image and then says, now you rule. You represent me as your image, as, as my image. You are my image bearers. All humanity is given this royal, dignified task to rule the world on God's behalf as his representatives. Creation's good, and God stops his role in creating 
but creation is not complete. It's not finished. It's just ready for the management that God creates and hands it to. It's all still his. Everything is his. He's the, he's the king of the universe. But God delighted in making people and he handed creation over with a royal command. So what is our job? People are now to do the same thing that God had been doing in creation, making the world as he wants it to be. It's a world, it's not disordered now, it's not chaotic, it's reliable and it's ordered so that life can flourish. But humans are now given authority over dirt and birds and fish and cows and said, make it flourish more. That's the idea of ruling. This is the part where humans are doing a reflection of carrying on what God had been doing. It's the human task to rule God's world, to have authority and tend it, to subdue it, some of your versions might say, to extend it, to cultivate life. These are words that we might not think very often of ourselves. We might not think about the human project. Um, to subdue kind of have, might have a negative connotation. How many of you are gardeners? Yeah? Hmm? So if you're gardeners, what happens to an untended patch of ground? What grows? Yeah, what, what do you do when you have a garden? You set out your vision for it. You take into consideration the raw material and stuff that you've been given, the potential. And to maintain and build a garden takes cultivation. You subdue it. You take out the weeds and you foster the good. Extend that to creation. Um, maybe in some places crops would grow wildly, but cultivated they'll grow more abundantly and more for the flourishing of the planet and for people. The same thing with animals. Cows and goats will reproduce, but they can reduce reproduce even more and for a greater purpose than just to keep their species alive. They can give milk and they can give butter and they can give wool. Creation is made with all this raw potential and then God places humans over creation and says we are to bring our will and intention to make it a place where life can flourish even more. That is the job. So as an image of God, we are the go-between. We mediate on God's behalf, God's rule in creation. God wants his place, uh, the world to be a place where life flourishes, where people flourish, where life grows. And that requires some subduing, some harnessing, some creating. Um, it is a, it's gonna take some work. Now, subdue does not mean exploit. We've got that wrong for sure, but if we can leave that aside. Returning to this idea of the image, um, there's also a part of being the image of God that has to do with our person and our character and our, our self of being. There's a part of being um, God's image pictured more in Genesis 2, the creation story there, where God makes humanity from dirt and breathes his spirit of life into it. There's some sense in which we are different from animals and the rest of creation. We have a sacredness, a spirituality, intellect, will. 
And, and that kind of also connects then with our job as image bearers. The image of, I'll say, a God, if, you think, if we think generically, the image of a God is meant to reflect the, the glory and honor and reputation of that being. Like a statue um, of a really famous person is meant to bring to mind the things about that person and it's supposed to honor them. So in the same way, we, as the image of God, are meant to reflect, to mirror, to tell others something about this God that we re-image. We speak of it when we think of creation. We can say, oh, the mountains and the ocean and the delicate flowers and the trees as they go through their season, they reflect something amazing about their creator God. They bring honor and glory to his um, reputation. Well, humans, by our design and being as we are meant to be made, do the same. We bring honor to our creator, God. Um, It's true that our images are tarnished. Sin entered the world. I'm going to skip a little bit forward and just... Um, say that uh, another key bit we're going to practice for eternity. This may be a strange thought or a new thought to you. There's many places throughout scripture that we are told that this job we were given in the garden to rule is something that we're going to be doing a very long time because it is what we are doing in heaven Many scriptures talk about um, that if we, um, for, to Timothy says, if we endure, we'll reign with him. Psalm 8 talks about the uh, creation in Genesis 1, and it says, we were made a little lower than the heavenly beings. And it says, you, God, God is saying to God, you put us in charge of everything and gave us authority over all things. In Revelation if we go right for the end bit here. In Revelation 5, there's, there's a variety of things, but here we're looking at the new creation. Everything is made as it's supposed to be. And where are we? We are ruling and reigning over this new restored creation with God in partnership as it was meant to be. They sang the song and it says, Tribes and languages and peoples and nations came before God. You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is the new restored creation. All right, we're going to summarize, and then we're going to get practical, and you're going to have a think about your job. But I really want us to think uh, then, pull it back again, and just say, As royal image bearers who bring honor to God, who add to his glory and his reputation in reflecting who God is, as we do our jobs of being fruitful, filling the earth, and taking the creation project further, we partner with God in this. So this is our job. This is our our mandate. And it's also what we will end up doing eternally with God. It's a big job. 
So when you take creation and you move it a tiny bit forward as we live our lives, you think about what's there. We make stuff. When we um, think ideas through, when we discover stuff, when we relate well to others, that's all a part of the job we've been given. Whether you're putting buns on hamburgers or um, raising children or um, arranging information for databases or answering phone calls or literally guarding, gardening or helping other humans do their job well or be healthy. When we make communities and figure out ways for people to live together in ways that encourages human flourishing and the world flourishing, that is the job. When you serve a customer well at the grocery checkout or you um, you respond in a way that brings joy and friendliness, when you listen caringly to a colleague, when you grow a business which expands the garden, it, you might say if you were a business person, it expands God in God's initial capital investment of the resources he endowed us with. When we manage it well, that's all a part of being the image of God as managing creation. All of creation in our words, our actions, our attitudes, our daily life point to the goodness, wisdom, and power, beauty of someone who is even more amazing than we are, but whom we reflect. So let's apply it to yourselves. I would like you to get together with two or three other people if you feel comfortable doing it, and think about your own context. What is your job? How, how do you spend your energy? It might be paid, it might be unpaid, doesn't matter. When you envision your daily life as a part of the amazing purpose God has given, you might need to pull back and reframe it. Pull back, how does it fit into God's creation purpose? How are we using what God has given us in our energy? How can you reframe that in this amazing mandate that God has given us? So if you would please um, get in your small groups and share a little about what that might look like and then um, pray for each other. Pray for um, how that works out in your life, how our energy can be used for God's great purposes um, as his image-bearing, creative people. All right, so get in your little groups, and then um, in a few minutes, Daniel will move us forward with some discussion.